You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Friday edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we talk about the Indiana Pacers five days a week. As always, I'm one of the hosts of the show, Tony East with the West Indianapolis Community News and over at 8.9 seconds. Today, we continue the off-season content, and today's even more fun because we get to talk about a guy that I've wanted for a while. But the reason this discussion is happening today is because of a terrific piece written by the other person on the other line, who I'll introduce momentarily, about uh, Mike Conley being traded potentially to an Eastern Conference team, and the Pacers are mentioned in the article. So joining me, from uh, actually in charge of uh, SB Nation's Memphis Grizzlies site, Grizzly Bear Blues, is Joe Mullinax. Joe, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate the kind words about the article. And I'm doing a series on Conley because it's very likely he gets traded at this point. I think most folks agree with that. Obviously, it depends on a lot of it depends on May 14th and the NBA draft lottery. If the Grizzlies do convey the first round pick to the Boston Celtics this year, then it makes sense to start the rebuild. If they don't, you want to be as good as possible to make sure that that pick gets sent out in 2020 because it becomes unprotected in 2021. So to, to spare your listeners the litany of issues that the Memphis Grizzlies have, um, the essential question is will be answered on May 14th to an extent, if it makes sense to try to get rid of Conley or not. And I do think that his value went up after the trade deadline, and I think a team like Indiana, both for personal reasons, Mike Conley obviously has the connection to Indiana going back to his high school days and his youth. Um, I also think it makes sense for a professional standpoint. Conley could be an all-star in the Eastern Conference. So there's a lot of reasons to like a potential Pacers-Memphis trade. Yeah, and for the draft lottery, just to uh, change the subject slightly, uh, I hope the Grizzlies end up in a scenario where they can pick Romeo Langford, not because it's like a good pick for you guys or anything, but because then you'd have two straight drafts where you pick a player from Indiana, and that would make me happy. Yeah, I hope they don't take Romeo Langford. (laughs) I don't think he's a good fit for your team. I don't think he's a good fit in in the lottery at all, Uh, but at the same time... (laughs) I, I do like Jay, or Jaron Jackson Jr. I'll give you that. And I, I was wrong about Jaron. So Indian native. Wrong about, Indian uh, native Jaron Jackson and Mike Conley. Yeah, Indiana, man. They, they know how to play basketball and coach basketball and do basketball <laughs> in Indiana. There's no doubt about that. They sure do. So uh, I guess we can start with, with – yeah, no. This is the, obviously the place to start. The place to start is with the trade that you have proposed. And instead of me reading it off the page in front of you, I would like you to say it and then explain it. Sure. Uh, the, the trade itself is generally centered around uh, Sabonis. And I think that one of the things that's been fascinating for me in the, uh, the follow-up to trade, anytime you write an article like this, and I know you know about this in your experience, obviously, uh, you get a, a pretty heated uh, debate uh, usually in terms of valuing uh, your own players too much. Memphis is notorious for this, and I'm sure the Pacers fan base is similar uh, in terms of thinking your guy is worth more than he is. I think that Mike Conley is valuable, and I think teams will be willing to give up things of value for him. But, you know, the the idea that, for example, last week an idea was floated Ben Simmons for Mike Conley, and no. it's never <laughs> going to happen in a million years. Exactly. I agree with you completely. And, and I'm unique in that I am from <laughs> – Uh, northern Virginia I live in the Washington DC area so while I lived in Memphis for several years and I have that connection to the Grizzlies um, 
I'm able to have a, a more national perspective, if that makes sense. So I kind of see Conley's value a little bit differently than folks in Memphis may that are still living there and uh, are more active in the bubble. Um, but anyway, I centered it around Sabonis and I was interested in the reaction because I thought that Sabonis was easily the most valuable young player that the Pacers have. I think that he, to me, from watching him play, looking at the numbers, doing the research I did for the article, uh, his game fits the modern NBA more. I know Miles Turner. I'm, I, I'm excluding Turner because Indiana's already chosen to invest in him. So I'm not going to debate Turner versus Sabonis. I'm talking okay. about Sabonis. That was going to be a follow-up from me. Right. I'm going to say Sabonis versus everybody else because I don't think Indy would trade, trade Turner. Um, and I don't know that Turner necessarily fits alongside Jaron as well as Sabonis does. Uh, but I really like Sabonis. I like his game. I think he and Jaron are interchangeable. It doesn't really matter who plays the four, who plays the five. I like his ability to rebound. He's an excellent passer. I was going to talk to you about his uh, three-point shooting because it seems like he's gone away from that it's uh, fake. As, as it's kind of progressed um, in his career. And that's interesting because he didn't shoot poorly uh, as a rookie and beyond. So um, I think his game is pretty well-suited to fit alongside Jaron's. I do think a fair critique of the trade idea, and it was essentially uh, Sabonis, Dougie McDermott, or uh, Dougie McBuckets, and um, a future first-round pick, the 2020 first-round pick that was lottery-protected. If mem- if this trade happens, a disaster would be the only reason Indiana wouldn't make the playoffs, so that would likely be a first-round pick. And if it didn't convey, then it would have been two future seconds. So I think Indiana would do that because they wouldn't want to, obviously, starting in 2022 when people think, the one-and-done rule will be right. done. Um, but nobody wants to trade that pick right now. So I think that makes it doable for Indiana because the, it protects them from whenever that uh, that rule goes away. So anyway, it would have been Sabonis, McBuckets, and a first-round pick probably in the 20s uh, to Memphis in exchange for Conley. Obviously, Indiana has a window with Oladipo and the great contract that he's on. You take Conley's money. Both of those contracts expire at the same time. So to me, it just made a lot of sense. I think it adds a second scorer next to Oladipo. You already have uh, Turner invested in, and you still have, I think it's roughly $25 million, uh, and obviously there's cap holds and things like that. But it still gives Indiana room to play with to bring in somebody like a Malcolm Brogdon or if they trade somebody else or uh, you know maybe go against to bring it back Bogdanovich or something like that. They could even maybe bring in another Max player. So it gives them flexibility, and it also brings in a guy who whose window kind of lines up with depots in terms of the contract value. Yeah, the way so the way you have it laid out is they take Conley into space, which when I do my fake trade later, I'm going to try to avoid that actually. Which <laughs> from a Grizzly standpoint, I'm sure you're like what? But um, you know how I know it's a good trade on Twitter, and I think Talk you had that. this rule too when both teams hate it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And and I felt like with yours, I kept reading replies because I was curious what people were going to say because Sabonis is pretty universally loved by the Pacers conglomerate. I thought everyone on the indie side was going to hate it, but a lot of the replies I saw were the opposite. Maybe it's just because I'm that tremendous of a writer. Maybe <laughs> my logic was just so sound that they couldn't argue against it. No, I was actually surprised too because most of the negativity came from Memphis fans that Memphis didn't want Sabonis, and that shocks me. Because I think that one of the things about Grizzlies fans, and obviously I don't expect your audience to know this, they fall in love very quickly. And when they fall in love, they fall hard. Uh, <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas became a Memphis Grizzly on February 7th. And when the Marcus Gasol trade happened, 
it was, I don't want to say universally panned, but a majority of folks hated the trade. They thought Marcus Gasol should have gotten more value. Fast forward two and a half months, and now Jonas Valanciunas should get a five-year, $100 million contract <laughs> and never leave Memphis. And th- that's kind of how it works with our fan base. Um, I like Valanciunas a lot. I actually see a lot of similarities between Sabonis and Valanciunas. But I think Sabonis is just as good of a player as Valanciunas right now and obviously is four years younger. There's more potential for a three-point shot. I think Sabonis is an underrated defender. I was impressed when I was doing my research for the article. Uh, he was third on the Pacers in defensive win shares over at basketballreference.com. I, I was impressed by that stat. So I think he has a more complete game than he gets credit for, and he's similar to Balanchunas in that he just hasn't gotten as much opportunity because of the way the minutes were divided up in Indy. Yeah, and well, and some of the trouble with evaluating him on paper is that some of his minutes are at the four next to Turner, where he is much less naturally fitting on the court versus right. when he's playing the five. And I think, you know, in Indy, uh, uh, the thought is, and this is how we've talked about it on this show before, is like, it seems like it should be easy, right? Sabonis is the role man, Turner stretches the floor, that never happens. But I also feel the same way about Sabonis and Jaron Jackson. We're like, right. they can kind of interchangeably be in and out. And, you know, it seems like it should be a good fit. Now, I will tell you from experience that it has not always been that way, but sure. it has worked. They have a positive net rating on the floor together this season. And Sabonis is clearly a good player. You know that you valued him very well. Um, I agree with a lot of your assessments of the thing you have said for him. And, of course, the important part and why you're here is I do agree that that value is pretty good especially the lotto protected part. And uh, you didn't say this part when you were describing it, but you did talk, you didn't, you didn't talk about Victor Oladipo's injury. So say he comes right. back, he's just useless. It's like now if Conley ages out, the Pacers have their protection that maybe they do keep this pick if they need it. Now, obviously you, the Grizzlies guys like, Oh crap. But, sure. <laughs> but I think that that would be enticing to them or they could do something like what the Bucks did with Eric Bledsoe, where it's like the most weird protections ever. Um, in a, you know, in a way that both teams agree, whatever. Right. But something like that to, to kind of hedge the Vic injury, because I, I do like what you said about their contracts ending at the same time. So if Vic is still good, you can resign him and then let Conley Walker give him a decrease in money or whatever the case is. And if Vic is bad, you've hedged it by protecting this lottery protected. So I, I think as a value, that's actually pretty good. And if uh, the pairing works out get. well, sorry to cut you off. If no, you're the good. Pairing, if the pairing works out well, the way the contracts are structured, you could essentially flip them. If you really yeah. like the two of them together, yeah. you could pay Conley $20 million a year for two or three years, and you could pay Oladipo the max, and you're, it's the same amount of money, uh, realistically speaking, and you still have those two guys in the, in the backcourt together for another three to five years, however long the contracts work out. So I think it actually makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. The question will be, you know, holiday for some reason, Grizzlies fans like more than Sabonis. And I saw, <laughs> I saw a Pacers fan go, really? You want holiday instead of Sabonis? And, and Hol- holidays in my fake trade. I'll spoil that for you. Okay. Well, that's fair. Um, but I do think that Sabonis would be my preference. I think there's a path there without Sabonis being included. But for me, it would take more draft compensation if it's not Sabonis. If that Okay. That's totally fair. Can I do an event that I think you will relate to? Please. Because it needs to be said. So Conley makes a fair bit of money. Um, Absolutely. Everybody knows that. It's whatever, th- almost $30 million, over $30 million next year. It's 32.5 uh, next season. And then almost 35 the following year because he did hit the games played criteria right. uh, this year. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that's a lot. And he, you know, he was the first guy to sign that big money, and everybody's like, "Wow!" But he's a very good player. So to me, the the reason I'm venting here is, Pacers people say all the time, "I don't want Conley because money." Of the contract, right? Yeah. But to me, and you can relate as the Grizzlies are also a very small market team. It's like, what is this team going to do better with that money? Right. What is the better player or better grouping of players they're going to get with that money? Like right. they luck, they lucked into Vic's contract being what it is. But he, you know, it's like. I think that's a maybe he's a tiny bit overpaid, but like that's a fine use of that money for a small market team to me, and that's why I've been so enticed by potentially trading for him, especially because he's going to be available and his price is quote unquote air quotes lower than his actual encore value. Well, and then look at Russell Westbrook. I mean, people are talking about a guy who's easily a top ten player in the NBA, and they tweet out because he had a bad playoff series that he, you know, is some overpaid and yeah. contract to some albatross. Ridiculous. He's literally an all-NBA player. If he can't get paid, then no one's going to get paid. And well, I the, think that, I'll cut you off here for a sec. The lost sure. value of, of max contracts is that they're actually underpaid players most of the time, right? right? They're actually like $50 million. Like the actual value of LeBron James is double what he is Yeah. Paid. Oh, on a, on a free market, like – in two summers, the Orlando magic or whatever would offer Ben Simmons, like $75 million a year. So, you know, so you know what I'm saying? So in that way, the Conley guys look like they're overpaid because they're making the same amount as Russell Westbrook or whoever, but in reality, they're closer to what their value is actually at. It just looks weird because of the way the max contract works. That was a rant that I wanted to get out of the way. I don't think I'm going to change anyone's mind because no one ever changes their mind, but I'm it's kind of like socialism in a way, but it's also <laughs> it's. But the market determines value. I mean, if Memphis had paid Dallas, then or excuse me, if Memphis hadn't paid Conley, then Dallas would have. Right. Would well, have like Memphis, they need, the, they need the max so the the worst players get paid. You know. Right. Like if Ben I mean, Simmons gets seventy five million, now the mid tier player gets like four. You know, it's like right. that's not fair. Exactly. I think that is a, a very fair argument. It's there's only so many LeBrons and Russes. There's a lot more Jared Dudleys and uh, Bruno <laughs> Caboclos. Oh man, when Caboclo had his, uh, as I said that wrong, had his career high against Indiana. First game after the Vic injury was just the funniest game. I was yes, like, this is going to be our luck the rest of the way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the, the injury was terrible, but Bruno doing well was awesome. I'm going to force cut to a break, and then when we come back, I want to do my trade, and you can pick it apart. Looking forward to it. Okay, I'm throwing math in here. I'm throwing right. capology at you. I like I, it. I need I help. Typed this, I, I typed this out. Best in my article. We'll see how you do. <laughs> I've typed this out before. I probably have this number slightly wrong, but I think it's right. So, given Conley's salary next year, you have to trade the, the the least you can give out for him is twenty five point nine two nine million to get it within legal trade rules. So McDermott and Holiday, or even Sabonis in your case, McDermott and Holiday is nine and a half million. So to get to that number, you need sixteen and a half million dollars. So my fake trade idea, and I understand where Memphis has pause here, is actually a sign and trade, where it's Holiday, McDermott, a less protected than your lottery pick. So let's just say, let's just say top eight, top eight protected twenty twenty first round pick. And then Darren Collison on a one-year $16.5 million deal where the last two years are non-guaranteed because you have to have a three-year deal to do sign-in trades. Dear God, what have you done? <laughs> huh? That sounds horrific. Horrific? I, I, I would not like that. Um, okay, good. I, go, go, go on. 
I, I mean, it's essentially the same as my deal, but you're doing it so you don't have to take it into cap space. Yes, exactly. Um, which again, that, that so the, seems like that's ideal what I, for Indy, but not so much for Memphis. That's what I figured the hurdle would be is, is what is the extra, <laughs> the extra asset isn't just less protections, right? But what is the asset right. required to make it so this sign and trade where you, you are now paying Darren Collison for one season is possible because that's what the Pacers are going to try to push for because then they can keep their good guys without – and keep their cap right. you know, and keep the mid-level exception, all those things. Because going by my trade, Indiana would have to lose Thad Young, or they'd have to or lose Young. Yes, they'd yeah, to, exactly. Um, which is fair. Uh, but yes, I understand why you think that trade is terrible. It, it makes a lot of sense. A very it, overpaid I will during... say this, in fairness to you, I will say this, and the Memphis new front office won't do this because I don't oh, I forgot. They, they fired Chris Wallace finally. Well, Sorry. yeah, it's, it's new, um, <laughs> but they don't have <laughs> – Memphis needs to completely blow it all to hell. Like they, they just need to move on. They need to, and I think they're about to in some ways, but the, the draft pick cupboard is pretty bare. Uh, people are getting, not people. I'm being, I'm being facetious here. Uh, a 2024 second round pick came over in the Marcus all trade and people are like, Ooh, we got a draft pick. Um, <laughs> you know, Chris Wallace and others were a part of a trade for Justin holiday with the bulls that, they gave up two second. second round picks. Obviously, one would be pretty valuable this year in the 30s uh, in, in order to get Justin Holiday, um, which I think Holiday makes a lot of sense in Indy, depending on how much money he's willing to uh, to not get uh, as a rotation wing. But anyway, um, there, there's been some mistakes made and they don't have a ton of assets. If Memphis was willing to do a deal like that, where it clearly makes them worse I think that if they convey their first round pick this year, it makes something like that more likely as long as India is willing to part with draft picks or a less protected first. Like yeah. if, they go in, if they go into it saying, well, we will do a top five protected 2020 or something like that. Or if, uh, if they worked out the protections to get it to a point where it would eventually be unprotected, like in 2021, right. It never does the two seconds like yours. Right. Does. Then yeah. I think Memphis would be more interested because okay. that becomes Heaven forbid Conley gets hurt. I would never wish that on anybody. But he's or injury prone. Something happens to Depot, or like you said in the first segment, if he comes back and he's not the same player, now you're looking at you know Memphis having two lottery picks in 2021, their own and Indiana's. Yes. So that would be a way to make a legitimate argument for something like that. I don't know if Memphis is that willing to embrace the process, so to speak. Fair enough. Um, I get it. Small market but, teams don't. But I do think in terms of team building, and we have to remember, Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the youngest players in the NBA. So I don't think they necessarily need to worry about, you know, if they're bad for three years, okay, he's only going to be 22 years old. You know what I mean? Like he's still going to be relatively yep. young. But if they're going to be bad for an extended period of time, there has to be an end game to it. Uh, shout out to the Avengers. There has to be something <laughs> in place where they're able to say it's a three-year plan and we plan on competing for championships. You know what I mean? Yep. Because yep. if it's not there, then you're going to run into a Jaron situation that's similar to Anthony Davis in New Orleans, potentially Ben Simmons in Philly, you know, where they're unhappy and they force their way out. Yeah, I just I tried my hardest because, but you know, there are, there are a lot of guys that, that fit this bill that could be this really lopsided one year because in signing trades, the player ha who's getting traded away has to agree to, right? Sure. So, the, so the, the encouragement for the player is, Oh my God, I get this huge one year deal that I'm not worth. Sure. I'll go to Memphis, but obviously then Memphis has to pay said guy 
And that the last two years have to be non-guaranteed because they're getting just massively bloated first year. You which know who doesn't you know work. who if you did that trade that it would I think Memphis would actually be more accepting of and this is it Tyreek is Thad Young. Oh, he's if from he, there. Exactly. Well, it's got the business there, yeah. Thad Young and uh, Dougie McBuckets and uh, a pick that eventually becomes unprotected. I think that you actually would have Memphians be like, welcome home, Thad Young. And, and <laughs> A little yeah. bit more uh, accepted in terms of the Grizzlies fan base. So maybe take Collison out of it. <laughs> I think Memphis would want DeLon Wright and Holiday to, to run the point. Right, right. In that example. Understood. Holiday, or excuse me, DeLon Wright will likely return. So it would be those two running the point, and then you could have Thad Young start next to Jaron Jackson Jr. And I'm not sure how many games of DeLon Wright, Kyle Anderson, um, Dylan Brooks, uh, bad young Jaron Jackson Jr. team wins, but at the same time, if they convey their pick, who cares? They could win right. 12 games for all I care. If they get the first overall pick, they could draft Cole Anthony and he could be their point guard of the future or James Wiseman, another Memphis guy. So um, that there's uh, there's potential there. I don't hate it as much as you probably thought I would, but it definitely, <laughs> definitely isn't as good as mine. But I am a Grizzlies blogger. Yours is better. Well, yours is, yours is more realistic. How about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think Indy, and your point is fair, in that you're, any trade like I had in my post makes it so that you're not just trading away Sabonis and McBuckets. McBuckets, excuse me. You're trading away Thad Young. You're trading away Bogdanovich, and you're not getting anything in return because right. you're leaving in free agency. Right. So I think that your your point on that is fair, and that's where you have to find the common ground. And that's what I tried to do with the protections on the pick. Yeah, you know, I think that trade becomes more unrealistic if you say, "Okay, we want an unprotected 2021." If it doesn't convey in 2020, Indy goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're giving up multiple key rotation pieces to bring in a 31-year-old point guard who has 67 million dollars left on his deal." Right. You know, like a long, not a long time ago, like halfway through the season, Adam, my co-host, who's not here right now, uh, he sent me this screenshot of Sakina Young, Thad's wife, like opening a new business office in Memphis. He's like, "Should we start the rumor now?" <laughs> That rumor's been around for a long time. Um, <laughs> I think that it makes So maybe that sense. is it. If he's like, hey, Kevin Pritchard, I'm going to go sign in Memphis. And then he's like, wait a minute. We can figure something out. <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense if it was Thad Young. Um, and, and I think it makes sense in terms of Memphis, like I said, going scorched earth. I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm, it's painful for me to think of what that starting lineup would do, <laughs> how it would even work. Um, but again, if they convey the pick, and if they had a Sam Hinkie type of process, look at this, you know, that, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's how you get the best lottery, lottery odds and or close to the best lottery odds. And that's how you pull off a rebuild like that. It, it could be ugly. And obviously Philly is in a different spot than Memphis is in, in terms of established fan bases and, and that sort of thing, a history of success. You know, I, I think that it's unfair of when people make fun of, memphis for saying they're going to retire tony allen's number uh, if you if you make fun of that that tells me that you weren't there to experience why that's a statement that no memphian would flinch at they should retire another indiana natives number do you know who it is another indiana natives number on grit and grind all four all four or five of the good years oh oh uh, zach yeah there yeah, you go they're going to they're going to retire all four of those dudes oh good good and, good okay and i think that's I, my point is there were people who like critique even zach you know, you can make a, an argument that Zach Randolph's a, a Hall of Fame candidate. I don't think he'll get in, but I think you can make the argument. And um, the, the point being, you know, people, Sorry. people make fun of that. 
And that's that tells me that they didn't. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying in general that that makes me feel like they didn't experience it because no one in Memphis would flinch at the idea of Tony Allen, Zach Randolph having their numbers retired by the Grizzlies. Um, And Conley's in that boat, too. But my point is Memphis really kind of values that type of guy. And I think Thad Young would fit into that mold as well. Uh, And if if you're going to do a contract, an albatross like that, it's best to do it with somebody that has Memphis ties. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I was kind of hoping not. I wasn't hoping that's the wrong word. There was a part of my brain that said, man, maybe we'll get into a raging debate and this will be like super entertaining. But honestly, <laughs> the, the agreeable nature of this has been good. It's given. Well, me I try to not be, I was on Twitter before I came on with you here. And I, I said, because the NFL drafts on, as we record this, I said, Nashville is the most overrated city in America. <laughs> I pissed off enough people tonight. So, I mean, to me, my biggest thing for the Grizzlies, and I think this is where the Grizzlies and Pacers can help each other. We Memphis wants to do right by Mike Conley. Memphis loves Mike Conley. Mike Conley is the only player on that roster that's been there so long. That is a truly homegrown Memphis NBA talent. The, The Grizzlies franchise and the fan base wants to see Conley go and succeed. They don't want to send him to some random ass team like where he's going to not ever do anything. They want, him to have a chance. they want him to have a chance to compete, but they also want to be able to get something of value in return. And that middle ground, to me, Indiana makes a lot of sense. In my trade, Sabonis is a hell of a piece. I think he is very, very good and can be great, especially next to Jaron Jackson Jr. He is the center point. I would prioritize getting Sabonis over getting a first-round pick. That might just be me. I know there's lots of people in Memphis that would disagree with that, but I really like Sabonis. Um, And in terms of Indiana, if you're willing to part with some cap space, that allows for you to add a legitimate scorer next to Oladipo. They need that. He can be that. And he thrived in situations where he had no business thriving. You know, people talk about Damian Lillard and how awesome Damian Lillard is. Conley dropped 40 on his head in a regular season game. And that was Conley's career high. And, and, And most times, when Conley and Lillard have faced off, Conley has gotten the better of Lillard for a similar reason that Lillard gets the best of Westbrook. You know, people universally think Westbrook's better than Lillard, not anymore. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably fair to say that even before this series, people universally thought Lillard was better than Conley. And I, if you watch Conley play against Lillard, I think that you would, if you had no preconceived notions, you would say Conley was the better player than Lillard. So, um, I think Mike would benefit from an opportunity, obviously the hometown connection or the home state connection, uh, the Indiana connection in general uh, would be very valuable there. And I just think it makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. The key is what is the centerpiece? Is it going to be the draft pick? If that's the case, I think you can sub holiday out for Sabonis and make it work. If it's the player, then I think it needs to be Sabonis and you do a, a pretty intense protection on the first to make it so that it conveys when Indiana is good because otherwise, why would the Pacers do the trade if they didn't think Conley would put them uh, in the same conversation as the 76ers, the Celtics, those types of teams when they're healthy? Okay, well, I have nothing else to say after that. <laughs> there, but there is a small contingent. Actually, it's not even small. There's a decent contingent of Pacers people that like Sabonis so much more than Turner that we'd, they'd just say, like, yeah, do Turner for Conley straight up and call it a day. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think – well, the interesting thing about Turner, because there are people that – talked about uh, Turner being better than Sabonis in Memphis after the article went down. 
and I think that Turner is very good. And I think that Indiana fans should be proud of their front office for negotiating a deal with Turner that makes so much sense for both sides. Um, but I do think that Turner and Jaron don't work as well together as Sabonis and Jaron because Sabonis has multiple layers to his game. To me, Miles Turner is elite at protecting the rim, playing defense as a center, and he's a good range shooter or can be good consistently. Uh, he doesn't facilitate like Sabonis can, and he can't no, he be as interchangeable uh, on both ends of the floor as Sabonis can. And I think that if you put Sabonis in five, at the five and Jaron at the four, it allows for Jaron to be out on the perimeter a little bit more, which he showed as a rookie. He can defend wings. He, he can switch in the pick and roll with a variety of different groups. And I think you can hide Sabonis in a lot of different places where you wouldn't be able to do that uh, with Turner because of the difference of athletic ability. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that Turner would be intriguing. Uh, I could be open to Miles Turner coming. But at the same time, I think that Indiana loses a key part of their defensive core if right. they go away from Turner. Whereas, yeah. you know, Sabonis is a very good player. I don't think, just from my understanding of Indiana basketball, and obviously you have a greater understanding than me, Turner seems more of a core piece of what they're trying to do than, uh, than Sabonis is. I, I do agree with that. You are absolutely right. You have like now, the closest to accurate outside perspective of anyone who's come on the show. Well, look at me. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> now, you might have not have read my article a week or two ago. I did a post about potential head coaching candidates for Memphis. I want Dan Burke. Send him, <laughs> Send him along and you can take Dougie McBuckets out. <laughs> Wait, we get, we get off McDermott's money and you get Dan Burke? That's right. Yeah, okay. I'm. Uh, if you, we'll give you a second round pick. And That's funny. Send McBuckets and Dan Burke to be our head coach. That's I think funny. he's awesome. I he think is. He's a fantastic great. defensive coach. Unbelievably yeah. good. I think that they would have to have an offensive assistant that's young because Burke's. I think he's 60, and you know that's that's pretty old for a first. Head There's Kokoskov right there. But I, I I like Burke a lot. He's my second favorite candidate for the Grizzlies job. So I respect what the Pacers do a heck of a lot and. And uh, that was kind of my inspiration behind Burke. You know, when you, have the game plan, when you have the experience, the game plan for both Michael Jordan and LeBron James, you've had a hell of an NBA career. <laughs> he sure has. He sure has. He's always included in those like Kevin Arnovitz, sneaky, good right. coaches things. You know, they're great. Uh, that's all I wanted to talk about. So I appreciate you coming on, Joe. You were great. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me, buddy. Where, where can people find you and all the stuff you do? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. Uh, you can follow us, the blog. Uh, we have a terrific staff over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, we're doing our player review series and all that stuff right now uh, at SBN Grizzlies on Twitter. Our podcast that we do with Megaphone and the SB Nation Network is at GBB Live, Grizzly Bear Blues Live. You can subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find the GBB Podcast Network. Thanks so much, Joe. I really appreciate it. Uh, stick around. We got a fun guest coming next week and the big mailbag. Remember to send in those questions on Twitter, although we already have like a million. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys Monday. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon.